What is going on, everybody? Welcome back into another edition of Bar Top Sports Talk. Tuning in for episode 52. You're joined by your host, as always, Tino Bernal, coming to you for the 52nd time. And my co host, the man, the myth, the legend. No, I'm not going to say it. Ryan Murray. Big, big Murray. Big Murray. I got to keep you on your toes with that sometimes, man. Yep. Do you ever think, like, oh, man, here it comes again? Every week. It's worth it, though. It's catchy. It is. See, man? It could have stuck. It's grown on me. I want, I want to tell a story real quick, but I'll save it for another time about our old working days. Uh-oh. <laughs> we hope everyone's having a good week. What is it now? The third week of May? Memorial weekend next week? Yeah. Getting into the summertime, man. Hope everyone's enjoying the nice weather. It's been pretty good. Hope you all enjoyed episode 51 as well. Before we start episode 52, we do have a bit of an announcement. It's kind of a little bit of a bummer, but it gives you all something to look forward to. So episode 53 will be put off for a few weeks. Me and Ryan will be going on vacation. Not really together, but around the same time, funny enough. Ryan, you want to tell them where you're going? Mexico. Mexico. What, uh, What resort? I don't know. You don't know the resort? I mean, she sent it to me, but I don't know. I didn't pay attention. I normally just ride along, you know? Dang, man. You just been down to go through the motherland. For real? <laughs> I got roasted for not knowing the other resorts I've been to when they asked. I was like, I, I didn't think you were supposed to remember. Um, I'm, There's some popular ones. Usually, you know, if you don't go, but I will be on a two-week California trip, essentially. Twelve days. Be in San Francisco for five days and then be in kind of the LA area for, I think, seven. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Might go to a Dodger game. Oh, that'd be cool. See Dodger Stadium for the first time ever. Get that bat. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the beer bat. I need a snap of that. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Be a bad night to beat one. No, nah, I don't want to get too crazy. But that, uh, we're going to go to Alcatraz Island, I believe. We're going to go to the forest in San Francisco, go for a hike, I believe. I'm excited. We got some nice things planned for it. So enough about us, though. We got to get down to business. Episode 52. This is what you all can look forward to for episode 52. The NBA playoffs. We're coming down to just about finals time. It's going to be the first week of June. We are now in conference finals. I'm sure you all saw the end of the semifinal round for each conference is we're going to give our thoughts on who is going to make the NBA finals. Ryan's going to kind of break down some of his mat, the matchups to look out for some of the things that's caught his eye through the first two games for both, for both conferences between the Lakers and the Nuggets and the Celtics and the heat. We'll talk a little bit about some current news in the NBA. A lot of coaching changes, which I feel like there's been a lot more, this year, within the last two years, than probably ever been. Yeah. Front, front offices have had kind of short patience with some of these coaches. The NBA draft lottery was this week as well. I believe it was yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. So we all, we kind of all know who's going to go number one. The San Antonio Spurs have the first pick. They're going to be on the clock, I think, in June or July. I wanted to say June 16th, but I don't know if that's right. I think it is June. I think it, you might be right on that one. 
So we'll give you guys kind of a, a, a recap of some of the things that came out of the NBA draft lottery, as well as the odds for the top picks. Like I said, we all know who's going to go number one, but the number, the number he has favorited is absolutely insane. So we'll save that for you guys for a few more minutes. The NFL, we talked about it last week. We kind of previewed a little bit of the NFL schedule release. We talked mainly about the Chiefs, but this time we get to highlight the primetime games that were released. The teams that won NBA, that won NFL schedule release day, they teams are getting pretty creative. Yep. I like it. Like I said in episode 51, you, or yeah, in episode 51, teams are starting, or the NFL is kind of treating this like another holiday. Like the NFL draft has become not necessarily an event, but something that people look forward to. And it, it, like I said, people are getting creative. It's pretty cool. We'll give you guys an early Super Bowl odds. We'll look at record outlooks for some teams around the league. And then we're going to talk some Chiefs. We got to look at our schedule, man. Got to look forward to something, too, even though it's May. For real. Football season, while it doesn't start until technically late August, really September is when NFL kickoff starts, but got to look forward to some Chiefs football. And then to cap off episode 52, we'll have week eight power rankings of the MLB. Some of the latest news going around. Baseball, Royals update. They've played pretty decent as of late. Could be better, could be, but, you know. Can't get much worse. I'll say that. Yeah. We'll talk about a potential. And then after the Royals recap, I saved two two questions, Ryan. And I didn't add them when I first sent you the notes. It's the potential future of Kansas City in the sports world. And I told you before the show, a little pop culture. So we haven't talked pop culture in a while. You said that you wanted us to talk a little bit about pop culture. So... I'm going to add a little bit towards the end. Let's go. Let's get into it, man. Episode 52, we're going to talk some NBA playoffs. I know this is, this is your time to shine, the hoops analyst. So conference finals, what are some matchups that in the two series that you're kind of looking forward to, or at least that you've seen in the first two games? Like the conference finals? Yeah. Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown. I feel like that's really exciting to watch. The Celtics are able to play bigger now since the since Adebayo doesn't have a jump shot at all. I thought that was kind of cool. Obviously, with the Lakers, basically the entire team versus the entire team. It's just how are you going to stop Jokic? In the first game, they played small, and it didn't really work. I think in the final two minutes, they had one chance to go up, but they just kind of... I still don't feel like the game was very close, though. They no. got to try and go bigger somehow. You can't beat them with a three-guard lineup. They're too big, especially when the three's not falling. And the Lakers aren't really known for shooting threes anyway. D'Lo's terrible. I say move him to the bench. But there was a report that came out that they were, he doesn't want to come off the bench. They don't think he'd perform well off the bench, but you got to do something. He's there to shoot. He doesn't really play defense, so if he's not scoring, he's not doing anything. I think he was 2 for 11 or 2 for 10, something trash. His plus minus, I think, was negative 25. He's terrible. Yeah, at this point, he's got to swallow his pride because and I think he said it a while back, too, that he's not the point guard. So if you're not the point guard and you're not scoring, what are you contributing? Or playing defense, what are you doing? you got to swallow your pride, man. The championship's on the line. Yeah. Russ did it. It worked out well for him. 
he's got to, yeah, he's just got to accept his role. You know, you're not that guy, not on this team at least. Maybe on Brooklyn, but not on this team. No, not at all. The Jimmy Butler one is actually interesting that you said on Jalen Brown. Late in the game, especially in the second half, he played some pretty good defense. Really, Jimmy Butler as a whole, six steals. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he goes from slightly above average in the regular season to just a superstar in the playoffs. It's the weirdest thing. I did not expect them to win at all. Especially, not only him, Coach Spolstra. Yeah. You know, you think he this... knows how to call timeouts. Yes, he does. Joe Mazzula. It's been something that Celtics Twitter, I'll say. Celtics Twitter, they get pretty heated. But they've been they've been at Joe Mazzula's neck over the last couple of weeks. The series against the Sixers was pretty frustrating because there was a lot of times late in those games where Missoula probably could have made adjustments, called timeouts in certain spots, and just didn't. And now we're seeing the same thing. So it's a little frustrating to be a Celtics fan. But I think they're going to be okay. Miami scored 46 points in the third, and he never called a timeout, not once. Yeah, that's, I don't know. That, that's just absurd. That's absurd. You ha- and you know the sad part? Why aren't any of the assistant coaches stepping in? And saying something, or giving him suggestions, or even the players. Sometimes we see players take over. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a little. That's a little concerning. I'll say that. Some matchups I liked, and actually NBA Twitter has pointed this out. It'll be interesting to see if it has success or not. People are convinced that Rui Hachimura should start and guard Jokic. I like it. I've seen it. So he only guarded him six possessions in the first game. And I believe Jokic was 0-2. So very small sample size, but maybe the Lakers still roll with it in game two and, you know, further on. You got to try something because that didn't work. I know it ended up only being what, like a, was it like a seven point game at the end? Something like that. But it still felt like it was never close, even though the Lakers had a chance to go up with like two minutes left or something like that. Like, why not give it to AD? Why, why take a step in three if you're LeBron? And he's shooting the ball. He's shooting too much. I was actually really surprised and impressed that Anthony Davis didn't back down in the matchup. Not necessarily a matchup against Jokic, but the I guess you could say the paint matchup from an offensive perspective because neither one of those guys are guarding each other. Yeah. He just needs to grab boards. He does, yes. Jokic. I think they got out-rebounded by like 25 or something crazy. Jokic had, what, 14 at the halftime? It was something bad like that. 30-20 game. I believe that's not the, that's probably at least the, I don't know, I want to say fifth time he's done that, but I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. I think that that might be the sixth sixth time he's done it in the playoffs this year because he passed Wilt with five, and then he had one last night. That's just unbelievable. Or two nights ago. I was watching him in that game, and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm, this guy is so skilled. I never really watched, like, sat down and watched a Nuggets game. I mean, who really does? You know what I mean? There's not really a small market. They're bigger than Kansas City, but they're on the West Coast, so you don't really get to see them that often. But just to see his skill set, his IQ of the game, but at the same time, he's so unathletic, and defensively, he's so bad. Yeah. 
somehow he's just able to, he just controls the game. I've never seen anything like it. Like, I didn't think he was the MVP, but then he does stuff like this, and it's just like, oh my gosh. And then, yeah, now people starting the conversation should have Embiid really won it. And it, it, it's tough. It's tough because Embiid's, it's a recency bias. Embiid obviously didn't play well in game seven yeah. against the Celtics, but, and then now you see another game of Jokic. So it's, it's a little recency bias, I would say. And who has the better team? Who has the deeper team? Oh, for sure. Yeah. The Nuggets. And that, that's another thing that I think that stood out from game one against the Lakers. Bruce Brown played great. Jeff Green gave them good minutes. Christian Brown, not really known for scoring for the, on that team at least, but gives them good minutes. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Michael Porter Jr. shot the ball really well. Contavious Caldwell Pope played really well. They're just a well-rounded team. And that's outside of Jamal Murray, Jokic, and Gordon. I had it in my notes because we were going to do it yesterday. I feel like this series, you know what AD's going to do. You know what LeBron's going to do. You know what Jamal's going to do and Jokic. It's going to come down to the supporting cast. What can they do? It just, it was just too much for them to handle. And that's a little bit of the story of game one from the Celtics and Heat. Max Strews had a really cold start and then hit some big threes in certain spots. Yeah, kind he of. had 15. So he, I think most of that came late in the second quarter and definitely the rest of it was in the second half. Gave Vincent, gave him really 15. good minutes. Yeah. Um, who else? Lowry had 15. Kyle Lowry was the biggest one. Getting 15 from him off the bench. The fact that he, see, that that's a perfect example for D'Angelo Russell. Swallow your pride. The guy's had plenty of success. He's an NBA champion. If he can do it, you need to do it. But my thing is, I don't get where D'Angelo Russell's pride comes from. Like, it's not like you've ever won a title or won anything big to deserve that. Really no accolades either. Like, I get it. You're a hooper. Obviously, like, you're all alphas. Like, I get that. That's how you make it to that level, because you are an alpha. But, dude, you have to know there's alphas and then there's other alphas. And you're just not that guy. You're not even probably the third or fourth guy on that team. I'd say Austin Reeves is above him. Yeah, Austin Reeves at least plays defense. So does Dennis Schroeder. At least they play defense. Try. They don't just chuck up a three, five feet off the line and then just kind of casually walk back on defense, leave their man wide open. I'll tell you what is going to be fun. And if you're a betting person, and if you like making the daily lineups, these two series are the series to definitely take advantage of the the single game lineups. Mm -hmm. So you have your MVP, your superstar, and your star. And then your two role players. I want a uh, four bucks. Or I want no, uh, two fifty. Last night off a free bet. Dubs a dub. So it's been fun because really, all four teams have enough role players that you can definitely, you know, you have a selection from. Yeah, for sure. It's been fun. I've made a few for the first two games, and I definitely look forward to making more. Because when it, when it gets down to, you know, the sports book side of things, mm-hmm. for playoff games like this, it's so hard. The money line's pretty much irrelevant. If you're betting money line, if you're taking the underdog, you have a better chance of making money. If you're betting the favorite, likely not. Definitely not at the start of the game. If you're going to do money line, I'd probably do a live bet. The point spread's a little tough because, I don't know, 
some of these games, they can be close, but then at the same time, teams, for whatever reason, just get blown out at least one game out of the series. And then one good thing to do is total points, Even, although it is really tricky. Mm-hmm. Me and you got bit a few times from that. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's been fun from a betting perspective. It's going to get more interesting as we get, I think after game two you're, for both series, you'll really get a good sample size of, you know, how the rest of the, those games are going to go, what you can kind of expect. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people, they act like the Lakers season is over. And I don't know if it's good, but one thing from that game that I thought that was weird, you look at the stats, even though the Lakers lost, they had less turnovers, more assists, more steals, and made more free throws. Is that weird or am I crazy? Usually that results in a win. Yeah. I don't think they're in too big of trouble. You definitely need to steal one in Denver tonight. For sure. Have to. Otherwise, it's probably over. You're not going to close it out in Denver. No. Otherwise, I think it's over in five. I just don't understand why they don't go at Joker more, try and get him into foul trouble. He slows the game down so well, and the Lakers are such a terrible three-point shooting team. It's like, why not just keep going at him every play? Give Anthony Davis the ball. Give a big body. Have LeBron try and go in there. Not like post him up, but, you know, just to drive how he does. Try and get him in foul trouble. Get him off the court. I feel like that's how you're going to win that game. Limit his minutes because you're not going to stop him from getting rebounds, points, and assists. There's no way. But if you can keep him off the court, I think that's what they got to do. I was surprised they didn't do that more. Yeah, switch AD on him or someone quicker than him because mm-hmm. you more than likely you're going to blow by him and he's going to probably reach in. No, that's a really good point. While we're on that, while we're on that series. And I know the first game's already happened, but I feel like we can still give our prediction on who will make it out of the West. So what's your outlook? Game two tonight, who wins and in how many games? Denver has a Jayhawk. I'm going to go Denver. Denver in six. A lot of people are convinced that the NBA is going to find some way to get LeBron James back in the NBA Finals and the Lakers. I can see it because it would make for a good story. LeBron James probably, this is probably, could be his last championship run. The Lakers, if the Lakers make it, and if if they won the NBA Finals, they'd have a record 18 over Boston. So there's definitely storylines there. I just think Denver's too good. Yeah. I just don't see it happening because LeBron can't play all 48 minutes when the games are that close together. And neither can Anthony Davis. I mean, I know it's finals time, so you have to, but their play is going to suffer if they do. Now, we've seen one game. I, I mentioned Lakers have to win tonight. Otherwise, I think it's a wrap. It's not going to be a sweep, but I think it's over in five. I don't think this is a series that goes beyond six games, especially if the Lakers lose tonight. What do you think? I'm still going Nuggets. No, I mean, how many games? Six. You're going six? You're getting the Lakers, too? Okay. I say I say Nuggets in five. Nuggets in five, for sure. And it's, it's going to be cool. It's a good storyline. Nuggets, the first finals appearance. Yeah, I'm for it. They have a Jayhawk, and he's playing meaningful minutes. So. I just hope people aren't bitter and don't watch 
just because the Lakers and LeBron don't make it to the finals. Because there are going to be people that do that. There are, I don't want to see Jokic in the finals. I don't want to see Denver in the finals. They, they deserve to be there. They're an exciting team to watch, though. They are. Like, I'm not necessarily a fan of anybody except for Christian Brown, but just watch the way they play. Like, one through nine, they are solid hoopers. Oh, absolutely. It's ridiculous. Now, on the Eastern Conference side, I feel like we might have a difference in opinion here. I can just feel it. Given, given your past little subtle hate to the Celtics, I feel like it's coming. I think you'll, you'll be surprised. Okay. Who wins the series and in how many games? Celtics and Heat. Celtics and seven. Okay. I just don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not necessarily a fan of either of them. They don't have a Jayhawk. I don't care. Yeah, if the Celtics lose, yeah, you'd be kind of mad, so that'd be hilarious. But I feel like the Celtics have the best chance against whoever makes it out of the West, which will probably be the Nuggets. At least that's what I think. But also Miami, I know they beat them yesterday. Their bench isn't going to play like that all the time. It's I believe. And I feel like the Celtics always play down to their opponents, but now that they've gotten beat, now they know they got to show up. So the same thing happened in the Philly series as well. The Celtics dropped the first game. And I do agree with you, like what you mentioned about the, the role players for the Heat, 16 three-pointers as a team. And also Bam's not going to get you 20 and 10 every night. He hasn't done that in years. I don't, or really since the bubble, I don't think he's going to be that consistent. But then again, just like how they took and beat out of the paint, if Al Horford is in, you have to guard that three. He's been shooting exceptionally well from three. So then you get him out of the paint, and that opens everything else up. Or drive and kick, I think they'll get it. All because right. if you need a bucket, who's going to get you a bucket for Miami other than Jimmy Butler? Oh, yeah. Especially, if it's, Lowry, a, maybe. especially if it's a three. Kyle Lowry, maybe. I think he's, outside of Jimmy, he's probably the next person that can create his own shot. I think he showed that in game one. If it goes seven, it's going to make me nervous. Yeah, I mean, if the Heat had Tyler Hero, you know, and he had one of his, like, just like he played in the bubble, I'd be like, okay, maybe there's a shot, but I just think it's a Celtic. These two teams have history together. Yeah, they do. And not just the big three. Both big threes back in the early 2010s. But even, I mean, these current rosters have seen each other quite a bit in the playoffs. So it'd make me nervous if it went seven. I think it does go seven, though. And I'm, of course, I'm rock with the Celtics. Come on. You already know. I'm not rocking with them, but I think they will. Banner number 18. It's coming, man. So we're going Celtics and Nuggets finals. I'd be, I'd be so happy for that. Because honestly, if the Celtics were to even lose that series, I'd still be happy because Denver gets their first NBA championship and it's relatively close to Kansas City. You know what I mean? Eight hours. So, you know, that's kind of a, it's kind of like OKC. It's an adopted team in a way. Yeah. I mean, we're free agents out here in Kansas City as far as NBA fandom goes. So I'd, I'd root for them. And I don't care if I sound like a bandwagon. I mean, it's close to home. Why not? You've rooted for them forever, though. The Nuggets? Oh, I thought you were talking about the Celtics. Oh, no, I was the like, Celtics. What? Yeah. No, the Celtics would always be my team, but I feel like the Nuggets are a team that I could root for as well. Not necessarily be a diehard fan, but definitely root for them. They're a likable team. Mm-hmm. I like them. Now, the latest news in the NBA around the association 
this NBA postseason as the most watched in history, I believe, in NBA history. I believe I saw a statistic from Front Office Sports. Shout out to them. I love their Twitter page. The NBA playoffs are averaging 5.2 million viewers across ESPN. That's the network's most watched NBA postseason ever. There's been some good games. I wonder what the viewership is for Turner Broadcasting, like TNT. Yeah. Because really, they have the inside the NBA. And, you know, that's that's a show in itself. And Some people watch it just for that. Exactly. They're, they're pretty entertaining. So that's that's really cool, though, because a lot of people hate on the NBA because, you know, the season's draw, drags out and people don't watch until playoff time. But that's really cool. The John Moran suspension. Oh. It's kind of late news at this point. If you paid attention Sunday morning? Yeah, it was Sunday morning. Something like that. Right before the first game of the Lakers and Nuggets. John Morant, of course. Or not of course, but we all know that he was in possession of a firearm again. Nothing wrong with that, but why? In an IG video, Instagram. Why? Why is the question? He's, he, by all means, have your firearm, but why pull it out? Why, you know, wield it? If you just got suspended from your team and missed games earlier in the season, you know, what, a month ago, two months ago, whatever, and then you get bounced in the playoffs, you should be in the gym working on your jump shot. Not, it's just weird, man. That it, It's just asking for trouble. Because with his attitude and stuff, it's not cool. What did you think of his apology statement? It was trash. You just gave an apology a month ago. If you have to give another one, it's they're both trash. Did you see, and some of you all listening may have seen this as well on Twitter, people have found similar apology statements from an AI-generated I don't know if it's like an application or a website, but it's basically like word for word the exact same. So they're thinking that John Moran didn't even come up with this apology on his own. I doubt it. Even if even if it wasn't something like that, I'm sure someone wrote it for him. But did you see today? I know Album or Adam Silver said he's concerned and fearing the worst about that suspension. In hindsight, it shouldn't be half a season. I don't think it should. Technically, he didn't do anything wrong or illegal. He didn't shoot somebody. He didn't point his gun at somebody. Yes, he didn't do those things, but it's from a reputation standpoint for himself, for the NBA, for the Grizzlies. It's just a terrible look. I think they're going to set an example, and I think they should because we also don't know the talks they had behind doors and everything either. And then what? He went to like some... Not like a rehab place, but what? He went there for, I don't know what you call it, for like, what, two days? Made an apology, and then they just kind of, nobody talked about it like it was going to be fine. And then now, it's clearly not fine. But my thing is, just like with him fighting that 17-year-old or beating up the 17-year-old, whatever you call it. Yeah, the mom had 
you know, she's tried to sue other like companies and stuff before, like the fire department and all that. So maybe it was just to get money. But either way, he still fought the kid. So somebody that hot-headed, why do you want him with a firearm? <laughs> I, I'm, sorry, just when you said that, I can just picture you. He's 23. You're getting into an altercation with a 17-year-old. Playing basketball in the driveway. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I want to see him do well. And clearly he's going down a path. And they all, some of the older NBA people, you see them sticking up for him. like Steven Jackson. You know, well, you don't know what neighborhood he's in. This, bro, you're worth $500 million. Go to a different neighborhood. Take your family and friends with you. It's not like you'd ever have to worry about it. You yeah. shouldn't, don't put yourself in that position because, you know, anybody will do anything for social media, anything to get clout. So they see him out with a gun or they see him out and real people who are about that life see him. How's that going to go? Yep. That's what a lot of people have said too. You know, what if he gets tried? What if he gets tested by, you know, someone that was really, like you said, really about that life. So the first suspension he had was eight games. It's more than likely going to be more. Half a season, though, I hope it's not that. I don't know if he deserves half a season, but he's got to learn. I feel like the, if it's not half a season, the Grizzlies need to check him in somewhere or talk to him. He needs to go and talk to counselors or something, fix his behavior, do something, because it's just what else is going to happen. And also, that's a distraction to the team, too. It makes the league look bad. and also. You know, some of the people who do get to the league come from a harsh background, you know. They don't do that, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But if the punishment isn't harsh enough, are other people going to start acting out because now they know they can get away with it? Yeah. No, that's the one thing that that you bring that up. There's been so many players that have come from worse backgrounds. Oh, yeah. And they don't do that. Mm -hmm. It's like, come on, man. I don't know. I will say the funny thing about it's come about this. Is all the memes and different references. So now I think Jaw Wick. <laughs> that that's definitely got that has to be a nickname that sticks. Yeah, Jaw Warant. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> There's been so many. One of the, one of the funniest ones that I've seen on Twitter. <laughs> the the people said uh, that that gun talks to John Morant like the Green Goblin's mask talks to <laughs> Peter Parker that's lit no that talks oh, to, to the Goblin yeah to Osborne <laughs> just my thing is I feel like we shouldn't even like that shouldn't even be a story that gets brought up or talked about that stuff shouldn't be happening yeah it's it's unfortunate I mean like you said I wish the, <clears throat> I wish the best for him hopefully I mean hopefully he just learns do it. it's yeah. it's just it's a simple thing to do yeah well i get the argument like yeah he didn't break the law it's the second amendment right this this and that i get it i understand it but what would your job do if they saw you you know doing stuff like that posing with yeah, i mean yeah i don't know man i mean yeah i don't know it's really simple it's corny it's really just simple just don't don't do it you can have a gun by all means just you know you don't need to you don't need to flash it in videos. It's pretty easy. Anyway, moving on. James Harden is expected to test free agency. I feel like this isn't much of a surprise. No, get out of here. I think earlier or not earlier this season, but earlier this year, it was there was reports that 
He's linked to the Houston Rockets again. I don't. I don't. At this point, I don't know how he would fit in. Too much. Too much. Too many young players. They're trying to develop and build right now. Why would you want James Harden? Because he wants to just go and play James Harden basketball, not team basketball. He just wants to be the only show. How are you going to develop your younger players with somebody like that? It just doesn't make sense. So he turned down his $35 million player option. That means he wants to get the hell out of Philly. I hope. Then Philly can bring in somebody better. Or maybe, you know, two really good role players or something. They don't have to be like stars, but that bench needs some help too. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Sixers definitely win that. If he leaves? Yeah, I think they will come out on top for sure. Yeah, I mean... I think so. Says it wouldn't him. surprise me. I mean, he's he has to take a pay cut at this age, right? He's 33, right? Yeah, but look at how slow he's gotten. His yeah. defense has gotten worse. When they, I can't remember what the rule was, but when they changed it, he doesn't get to the line as much. And I know people are going to say, oh, game one, he had like 56. Yeah, but he probably cost him just about 56 points anyway. Oh, he hit the game winner. What, um, what game was that? Was that five or four? Game four, I think, yeah. They were only losing because of him. He didn't... I don't know, dude. I don't like that guy at all. His fan base is annoying. Yeah, I don't even know anybody who's a fan of him. I've seen a few people. Just Twitter people. Yeah, that's that's mainly it. (laughs) Now, this one... I think this one, there was reports earlier in the season, actually, this season, that this was probably going to happen. We could see, you know, a completely different team. The Golden State Warriors, the fallout of their loss to the Los Angeles Lakers. Bob Myers, the general manager, multi-time executive of the year, one of the best GMs in basketball, is parting way with the Warriors. He was the guy behind the scenes. He, He made everything happen. That's a huge blow. I think Steve Kerr's next. Who are you gonna the next GM is gonna have to decide who's gonna who's gonna stay? Who do you pay? Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. I'm just waiting for them to blame it all on Wiggins. <laughs> why why do you say that? Because whenever they play poorly, he's always at the front of it. They always blame that dude. I mean, I don't I think this is just the team as a collective. They came into the season with toxic toxic drama. Kind of, it probably mellowed out, and you might not have seen it on the surface, but definitely in the locker room, you could tell that the, that the chemistry wasn't the same chemistry that we we're accustomed to seeing from the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I mean, when they interviewed Jordan Poole about it, what did he say? They asked him about his relationship with Draymond, and he was like, "It's just basketball. It's just business." That's right. That does not sound like somebody who's gotten over it or is trying to. That doesn't sound good. And I know they say that like it happens all the time in practices. Like I know there's the story about you know Jordan punching Kerr, and then like there's some of the other players were coming to the defense of Draymond. That happens all the time. Yeah, but it doesn't get leaked to the public like that. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a good look. I think that was the beginning of the end. I think the next general manager has an uphill climb and a lot of tough decisions because you, the fan base is upset with Jordan Poole 
Do you trade him after you just gave him that contract? Do you pay Draymond Green? Do you pay Klay Thompson? You really have to decide which one of those guys is more valuable at this point in their careers. And they're both approaching 34. Klay Thompson's, I think, a year younger than Draymond Green. but And Clay, uh, Steph Curry's 35. So your three best players are nearing mid-30. Or their mid-30s. The next GM is going to have a hell of a time trying to either sustain that core or you go full rebuild. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like with Draymond, his whole thing was, you know, he was just like that utility guy, but he would play great defense. But now he just looks slow. He doesn't look like he can keep up. I don't know. And then Clay is obviously not the same player, and we get that, like obviously coming off that injury. I know in the later half of the season, I feel like he played well, but they got to be realistic. And I saw the report that they're going to ask him to take a pay cut if he does stay. But maybe if they can get everybody to take a friendly deal. I think one thing that hasn't been talked about enough, obviously the focus is always going to be around Steph, Clay, and Draymond. But think about the younger players. And not just Jordan Poole. Kaminga. Didn't play him at all. Moody. Those guys are not going to want to be a part of that team if the next general manager manages to keep the core three together. Kaminga doesn't want to be there. No, and I understand why. I don't think Moses Moody would want to. I don't even think maybe Dante DiVincenzo, maybe he likes his role, maybe he doesn't. Wiggins, does Wiggins like his role there? You know, they, yeah. I know NBA Twitter has said it's the fall of the Lakers or the Warriors dynasty. And you never really know just because of Steph and what they what they've done, that team in general. But with losing Bob Myers, the guy that helped piece all those the pieces that put the pieces of the puzzle together. I don't know. I don't know if they can do it. I think that was the that was probably the nail in the coffin for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they had their their success last year beating the Celtics. Really think the Celtics just didn't capitalize, but it's for another story. Wiggins got a ring, so yeah. it's all good. Oh, the coaching carousel, as I mentioned. The uh, I don't know. If you win a coach of the year, you're fired. Is that how it works? I don't know. I don't understand that stuff at all. It, it's interesting. Even coaches that have had success. So the obvious one, Doc Rivers, his playoff success hasn't been great. I think he's what, uh, 16 and 30 something in game sevens. He's blown so many playoff series, but his regular season success is really good. Even his playoff success is okay. He's won an NBA championship. It It just hasn't gotten the job done with teams like the Clippers and now the Sixers. Yeah, and the Clippers, I don't blame them for because did they ever have a healthy team throughout the playoffs at their peak? Somebody was always hurt. Yeah, whether it was Chris Paul, Blake, DeAndre Jordan, or even I think Jamal Crawford might have been banged up one year too. It's unfortunate. I know a lot of people don't like him. And even some of his former players have said that he doesn't really do a good job. So it's kind of 
you know, amazing that he was able to get the big three at the time with the Celtics yeah. in 2008 to win that title. It makes you wonder how much he had to do with that. Yeah, for sure. Do you think he gets another chance? I think he does. I just don't know with who. I wouldn't want him, but I don't know. And then there's still guys like Nick Nurse that are out there. He, that, that's obviously a little bit of old news, but he's been linked to a few of the coaching vacancies like the Bucks, and now the Sixers. I believe Monty Williams. Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns parted ways. And I did see a college coach linked to some of these teams. Houston's head coach, the Cougars, Kelvin Sampson. Dang. You didn't see that? No. What teams is he linked to? Or what teams are he linked to? I believe the Bucks were one of them. Which would be interesting. They're getting ready. That team, if he left, they're getting ready to transition to a new conference. So, you know, those kids would be kind of SOL in that situation. <laughs> Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams has to be a top candidate. Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse should be a top candidate as well. Look what he did in Toronto. You can't say it was just Kawhi Leonard leading that team. He's He, he hasn't solely developed guys like Fred Van Fleet, but Fred Van Fleet, for example, Pascal Siakam, the development he's had. People bought into his coaching style and his system. Exactly. So, I mean, there, there's some good coaches out there that are no longer employed. It, it's different. I, like I said, I've never really seen the NBA do that. Dwayne Casey is another good example. I don't know if he's coaching still or not. I don't remember. He won coach of the year with the Raptors and they fired him. Yeah. That, it just like, bro, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Now into the NBA draft lottery. We all know the San Antonio Spurs are the number one overall pick. They won the NBA draft lottery, which is unfortunate for, who had the, the Pistons had the worst record, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's the funny thing about the NBA draft lottery. You can have the worst record and still end up get screwed and get like the fifth pick, like the Pistons. So the NBA draft lottery looks like this. You have the San Antonio Spurs with the number one pick. Charlotte Hornets at number two. That's going to be interesting. What do they do? That team's just stuck. It's just always been a poverty franchise. Yeah, they're just stuck. And there's reports, I think, isn't MJ looking to sell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Portland. Portland is looking to potentially trade the number three overall pick. As There's been reports saying that they are committed to building a supporting cast around Damian Lillard. Yeah, but is the number three overall pick going to get you enough to put a supporting cast around him? And even if it was, what team would be able to do that? It's either Scoot Henderson, right? Or Brandon Miller. One of those two guys is going to fall to three. Is he worth the number three overall pick to some teams? Maybe. Is it enough to build the Trailblazer roster? Duh, obviously they would have to make more moves, but I think it'd be a step in the right direction. I feel like Dame has given his career to them, and he's toughed it out for as long as he can. Go get it, Chip, buddy. Go put yourself in a position to win. I agree. With James Harden gone, I don't know. Maybe the 76ers. 
Him and JoJo would be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Move Tobias Harris too, free up some more money. Damn. Everyone hates Tobias Harris. Bro, I got a page of notes on how trash he played in the playoffs and in that last series. I just didn't want to geek out too hard over it, but he's trash. Trash. He's he's overpaid. I, I trash. Think, I think he's a good role player. He's definitely overpaid, though. His plus minus in that series doesn't suggest that. His shooting percentage doesn't suggest that. His <laughs> defense doesn't suggest that. His shot selection doesn't suggest that. Dude, look, I, I mean, I have nothing but notes on that dude. Oh, man. I was getting deep with it. I mean, I didn't realize it from the, from the surface. I didn't realize it, but. Yeah, dude, you got to think. In game four, nine points, three for 10 in 45 minutes. In game six, at home, he played 42 minutes. Want to know how many points he had? Five. Two. That's tough. That is tough. But think about how ball-dominant sometimes Embiid and Harden can be. I don't know. I'd sound stupid defending him. I'm just going to move on. No, you don't sound stupid. Maybe I'm just a hater. I'm just saying I don't feel like I'm hating just to hate, but those are some pretty crazy numbers. No, they are for sure. Like, they get mad at Embiid because he didn't play well. Like, he had 15 points, like 15 and 9 or something like that. He gets roasted. Why doesn't Tobias Harris get roasted? James Harden gets roasted for his poor play. Coaches get fired for winning games and doing well. I mean, NBA Twitter is saying send him to China, so there is that. Number four is the Houston Rockets. Number five, as I mentioned, is the Detroit Pistons. Orlando Magic at number six. Now, that's a team that could potentially trade their pick. Because I think that they're a few veteran players away from potentially making the playoffs next year. When they were healthy, they were pretty good at the, you know, the first quarter of the season. Indiana Pacers at number seven, Washington Wizards at number eight, Utah at number nine. Utah is a team, another team that, you know, maybe a few mu- sorry, few moves and they could potentially make the playoffs. Dallas at number 10, who knows what Dallas is going to do. Orlando with a number 11 pick, so they get two lottery picks. So yeah, they're, they're a team that's going to be buy- or sellers. Yep. And who's at number 12? I can't remember. I don't know. There'll be a team that's, they're buyers, actually. Sorry. Who's at 12? Oklahoma City Thunder. I think they got to trade that pick. Maybe get another veteran or something? Yeah. I mean, you don't need any more young talent. I guess it depends on who's on the board. Because, I mean, they have so many first-round picks over the next couple years. I think front-court depth could serve them well. Yeah. Get a get a good big man to either compete with Chet or back up Chet. I'd say that. I think you need a big bigger than Chet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think the front court front court could definitely help them because they don't have a guy that's over six eight. Yeah, maybe like you. I didn't think about trading the pick, but yeah, trade the pick. Try and get a big man. Number thirteen is the Toronto Raptors, and closing out the. NBA lottery is the New Orleans Pelicans at number 14. I got to ask you with the teams you just read off and the picks they have, and I know it changes. Some teams might trade. Some teams might go a different direction. Who do you think Grady Dick is going to go to? I've seen some of the mocks, but. I did forget that he was mocked in that area. Forgot he went to the draft in in general. Yeah, top. I think last I saw they had him going seven or eight. But he could have impressed in his meetings and in his workout, stuff like that. Well, if he slides to OKC, 
I'd lose. It. You but gotta then get again, a jersey. I hope, but then again, I hope he doesn't fall that far. You'd have to get his jersey. Well. Oh yeah, his jersey, hundred percent. So where do you think he's gonna go? If you just had to guess, like based on like if nothing changes from those picks, everybody keeps their picks and stuff. Where do you think he goes? Where do you think it's like a draft and trade kind of thing? Maybe Orlando's a good spot for him. That'd be cool. Think about Apollo Bancaro is kind of fits the modern NBA game, a big that can facilitate, surround him with shooters. Might make a good. No, I like that. That sounds cool. Might make a good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Addition, maybe. I don't know. Who do you think? I don't know. I should have unbookmarked the tweet, so I lost it. But I mean, when I'm looking at it, there's a lot of teams that are just poverty franchises that I don't want them to go to, but I know they're in the lottery for a reason. But, like, I don't know. It's hard. It is tough, yeah. I agree. Now, some of the storylines that have come out of the NBA draft lottery, obviously, Victor Wimbanyama, he's the social media sensation, NBA social media sensation, I should say. I've never seen a prospect get put on NBA TV for his games when he's playing overseas. Yeah, they've been doing that for like two years. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. The hype is definitely real. People were comparing it to LeBron James. I don't want to get into that because, I mean, people have been having some heated discussions about it. But how do you, if Victor Wimbanyama is selected by the San Antonio Spurs, which he might, which he's more than likely is going to be, and just to kind of reveal what I was alluding to earlier, he is minus 2,000, according to Vegas Insider. Minus 2,000, or no, 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 minus 20,000 to get selected number one overall. Minus 20,000. It, it's, I've never seen a favorite like that. Never. The next closest is Scoot Henderson at 2,500. And then Brandon Miller's plus 12,000. Yeah, I saw Brandon Miller today. They were, I can't remember. I don't know if it was Waj or who, but they released, they talked to GMs. He was out of shape and his meetings didn't go very well either. I didn't see so that. So I'm like, what? That's interesting. But I, I do want to ask, with the Wimby hype, how can he help the Spurs with their current roster? He can't really hurt them. I mean, look at how bad they did. I mean, I don't know. I think you got to make sure that, you know, the travel the wear and tear on the body, you know, I, obviously I'm sure he is on a diet plan and has been for a long time, but you know, maybe try and get him into the gym, put on a little more muscles, healthy weight. I mean, from everything that I've seen him do, he looks good, but then again, he's not going against NBA talent every night. There's a reason why those people play in that league, but I mean, I'm rooting for him. I mean, it'd be crazy to seven four, but then I also saw they said that he's grown an inch over the last year. Sometimes they do that with players just to hype up stuff. But if he can for real like shoot the ball like that in the NBA, that'd be crazy. Cause who could guard him? Yeah, not not a lot of people. The he, only way to guard him was would to be 
teams are going to try and bang on him as much as they can, push him out of the paint. But then again, with that jumper, he could literally shoot over anyone. Yeah. It, it's going to be cool to see. I, I hope it works out. It'll be interesting. I think, obviously, Greg Popovich isn't getting any younger. Maybe this, you know, re-energizes him. Puts, yeah. puts a little bit of excitement into coaching for him again because the last few years, his time in San Antonio, probably obviously he probably hasn't enjoyed it very much. Now, there was something interesting out of San Antonio with the NBA draft lottery. Did you see the Rue Pub? So there's a bar in San Antonio called Rue Pub. It said it would cover everyone's drinks if the San Antonio Spurs secured the number one pick. And there's at least 100 people in that bar. The scene, the scene looked pretty cool. San Antonio's excited. It'll probably take, you know, a few years before when Minyama develops into something great. And really, that Spurs roster too, but because you you need you need to have more around him, you can't just add him and expect to be good. But San Antonio's excited about him. They have a way of finding good international players, though. Yeah. Now it's funny that you mentioned Brandon Miller. So I didn't see the reports saying that he was out of shape and his interviews didn't go well, but I did see something that teams were finding no red flags with him. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that one kind of left me with a head scratcher. No red flags. Not not even one. I I don't get that. Nah, I, I that was it, it made me kind of laugh. That that's really all I have from any other draft prospects. Now the other odds for. The NBA draft, the number two overall pick, Scoot Henderson is minus 150, Brandon Miller minus 105. Really, after that, I don't know too many of these other players. Yeah, so that story, I don't want to backtrack, but I just want to make sure I'm right. It was by Draft Express, and it was reported he was not in great shape. His interviews have not been great, and they've been told that both publicly and privately with NBA teams in the lottery. It's pretty interesting. I can't imagine that he slides past three, though. You get him into camp, get him in shape, get him on your philosophy, your the way you play as an organization. What is that? The Trailblazers, potentially number three that he could go to. Yeah, but is he going to have hood rat issues off the court, too? Again? Yeah, we'll see. It's a gamble. Real quick before we get off the NBA segment, there was a bet placed on FanDuel. I don't know how people predict things like this. Well, actually, this one this one's a little bit more more common, I guess you could say. So they did it at the beginning of the conference semifinals, and they had the Boston. They had placed the five dollar wager. They picked the Boston Celtics to win. 4-3 over Philly. They picked the Denver Nuggets to win 4-2 over Phoenix. They picked the Heat to win 4-2 over the Knicks. And they picked the Lakers to win 4-2 over the Warriors. Got every single prediction correct to win $1,500 off a $5 bet. Dang. People are winning, man. 
Wish it could happen to me, but it is okay. We're going to get into the NFL now. Some more of the recap for the NFL schedule release. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we previewed a little bit of it. Some of the matchups. If you guys listened to episode 51, you heard that the Chiefs were going to play the Dolphins. We were scratching our head on who the Chiefs could potentially play week one. We have that. And that's the first primetime game of the season. Sunday, or not Sunday night football, well, technically Sunday night football, but the NFL season kicks off with the Chiefs and the Lions. The Detroit Lions. Me and you were not really predicting them to play them. No, that's trash. I think it'll be a good matchup. Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff have faced off before and it'll be an exciting game. Obviously, Jared Goff played for, plays for a different team now, but it'll be interesting. We'll start with the primetime matchups. So Sunday Night Football on NBC, you get that game, of course, Chiefs and Lions, but and also Week 1. I'm kind of tired of this. Week 1, I feel like it's always the Giants and the Cowboys. Kind of a lackluster primetime game at this point. Although it could be competitive this year. We'll see. Week 2, another divisional game. We have the Miami Dolphins, the Patriots, Week 3. The Steelers, Raiders, Week Four, Chiefs versus newest New York Jet, Aaron Rodgers. The Jets get their first Sunday Night Football game since 2011. MetLife Stadium is going to be rocking. How do you feel about that matchup? I'm excited for Week Four when we play them. Big Dub coming. Yeah. Week five. Cowboys get another primetime game against the San Francisco 49ers. Week six is the Giants and the Bills. Kind of interesting. Week seven is the Dolphins and the Eagles. Week eight. This is interesting. Cow or the Chicago Bears and the Chargers. I feel like that shouldn't be a Sunday night That's football. Random. Yeah, I feel like that should be a random Sunday afternoon game. Definitely don't feel like that should be a Sunday night football game. Sorry, Marissa, but Ooh. I, just, I just don't think it is. It's not a compelling matchup. The Khalil Mack rivalry? I don't know. Week 9, the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now that will be interesting. Rematch of the 2022-2023 divisional game where the Bengals just absolutely smacked the Bills. They didn't necessarily blow them out, but they defend from a defensive standpoint, they shut Josh Allen down. They controlled that game. Yeah, from start to finish. Week 10. Now this is just, come on. The New York Jets versus the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas. That is another Sunday night matchup I don't think should be on primetime slot. Yeah, because did you say week 10? Yes. Yeah, the Raiders will probably be playing with their backup anyway. That's just, that's weird. Week 11. Broncos get a primetime game after last season. So NBC's giving them a primetime game. Interesting. Well, with the rule this year, they can flex that out, right? Yeah, so some of these, some of these matchups, you know, the week 8 and week 10, they'll probably be flexed out. Week 11, the Vikings and Broncos. 
I feel like that might be a flex. Thanksgiving, you had the 49ers and Seahawks. This should be a good game. Interesting yeah. one. Week 12, this is a good one. Ravens and Chargers. Week 13, Chiefs and Packers. I like it. Jordan Love era. Week 14, no, this is going to be a good one. Philly and Dallas. This has become a pretty heated rivalry within the last two seasons. Week 15, the Ravens and the Jaguars could be an interesting game. Jaguars are an up-and-coming team. Week 16, Bengals and the Steelers. Week 16, the Chargers and the Bills. Chargers with three Sunday night football games. I don't, I don't like that. I don't, why do the Chargers get in three Sunday night games? What have they done? Exactly. Week 17, Packers and Vikings. Calls out NBC's slate of games. Now, Monday night football. First Monday night football game of the season. Aaron Rodgers will, I believe this is his debut. Yeah, this should be week one. Bills and Jets open up Monday Night Football. Where is it at? Meadowlands. Mm. Or I guess I should say New, New Jersey. I'll watch as many of his games this year as I can. I gotta see. I gotta see how that turns out. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. I think. Week two, you have a divisional game between the Saints and Panthers. Bryce Young's first primetime game. It'll be, I'm interested to see how he does. Former Heisman Trophy winner. And then that's the doubleheader. Week two of Monday Night Football is the doubleheader. So you get that divisional game. You get another divisional game between the Browns and the Steelers. It's kind of a stinky, stinky one. Is that the first or second game? That's the, that's the second game. I'll probably just go to bed. Both those games really aren't bad. Are they able to flex Monday night games too? Or yeah, is it just Sunday? I think so. I mean, this season, anything's, I don't think anything's off the table this season. Week three, you have another doubleheader. You have the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Kind of interesting ones. I don't think, we'll see what the Rams are this year. Had a lot of injuries last year. What would this be? Week four, you have the Atlanta Falcons and the Jaguars. I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that one either. Why, why is Atlanta getting a Monday night game? I don't know. It's a little weird. Giants and Seahawks, week five, has the potential to be a decent game. Week six, you have the Packers and Raiders. I don't know. I feel like some of these games are just not sounding very good. I mean, I know they can't have like a crazy game every week with how the schedules and everything. I just don't. Week, like who schedules these? Yeah, I don't know. Week 7, Monday Night Football, you get the, the Cowboys and the Chargers. Should be competitive. Week 8, you get the Niners and Vikings. Depending on if Dalvin Cook's still there, should be competitive. Week 10, you have the Raiders and the Lions. Okay. Week 11, you have the Chargers and the Jets. Aaron Rodgers gets the second Monday night game. What is this? I'm losing count. I wish they had a week next to it. Uh, 
think it's week 12. Broncos and Bills. Again, why are we giving the Broncos primetime games after last season? <laughs> week 13, I believe it is. Super Bowl rematch. Chiefs and the Eagles in Arrowhead. I'm excited for that one. That's going to be a good one. Week 14, the Bears and Vikings. Week 15, the Bengals and Jaguars. Could be a decent one. Week 16. I don't know if I'm getting these right anymore. I wish they put the weeks next to it. Uh, I think it's all right. I'll just say the dates. December 11th is a doubleheader. You have the Titans and Dolphins and the Packers and Giants. Could be some okay games. December 18th, you have the Chiefs on Monday Night Football against the New England Patriots. And then Christmas Day game, you have the Ravens versus the Niners. That should be a good one. And to close out Monday Night Football, or no, week 17. To close, or to the week before the last week of the NFL season, you have the Lions and Cowboys. And then they're having week 18 be a doubleheader for Monday Night Football. So the NFL is starting to have more Monday Night games. They're going with more doubleheaders. I think that's interesting. Pretty cool. Thursday Night Football. So the first, technically, the first Thursday Night Football of the NFL season will be week two. You have the Vikings and the Eagles. Week three, you have the Giants and Giants and the Niners. Week four, you had the Packers and Lions. Week five, this could be bad. This was the Thursday night game last year. The Bears and the Commanders. Those Thursday night games last year were just atrocious. Bears and the Commanders. Pretty sure that was a Thursday night game last year, and I watched it for fantasy purposes, of course. Week six, Broncos at Chiefs. Week seven, Jaguars at New Orleans. Week eight, Tampa against the Bills. Week nine, Tennessee versus Pittsburgh. Week 10, Chicago Bears get another primetime game. Thursday night football against the Panthers. Week 11, you have the Ravens and Bengals. Week 12 is Black the Black Friday game. We mentioned that last week is the Jets and Dolphins. Week 14, Seahawks and Cowboys. Week 14, Patriots and Steelers. Week 15, Steel, or the Chargers and the Raiders. Week 16, you have the Rams and the Saints. And then week 17, to close out Thursday Night Football, we get the nice treat of the Jets and the Browns. So those are the primetime games for the 2023 NFL season. What are some that you're kind of looking forward to? I know I just named off a lot, but... The Christmas Day game against the Raiders. That's what I'm most excited for. Or week nine against Miami. Oh, you're talking Chiefs schedule? Yeah. Oh, I was talking just in general. Oh. Sunday Night Football, I think I'm most excited about Bills and Bengals. I think that should be a, a better game than it was last year. Eagles and Dolphins could be interesting. For Monday Night Football, I think I'm most excited about... Probably should have had this up. 
written down. I'm definitely excited about Philly and Kansas City. I'd say Baltimore and San Francisco should be a good one. Chargers and Cowboys have the uh, potential to be a good one. Bengals and Jaguars might be a good one. Thursday Night Football. I think the Seahawks and Cowboys could be a good one. Bengals and Ravens, a divisional game, should be good. It's going to be interesting. I'd say those are some come off the top of my head. Not really off the top of my head. I just read it, but there were, I think this season, NFL and Peacock struck a deal. So there's going to be some games that the NFL exclusively streams on Peacock, and you have to be a subscriber to watch those games, which is kind of a a downer because I don't know how many people are going to subscribe to Peacock. Yeah, I think the basic plan or whatever, I think it's free with ads. Oh, it is? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, so that's not bad. Hopefully it's easy. Kind of Amazon Prime is pretty straightforward. I don't know how you get everything going for that. And moving on, what, d- did you have the chance to see some of the teams that had their schedule releases last week? Yeah. What, what were some teams that stuck out to you? Who were some of your favorites? I think the Chargers was my favorite by far. Yeah. I think the Chiefs was pretty underwhelming. I don't yeah. feel like it was very cool, but the Chargers definitely. I watched that multiple times. The Chiefsaholic cameo. Legendary. That was just, it was hilarious. Well played by the and Chargers. he's running away from a helicopter. Well played dude. by the Chargers. <laughs> Their media dude needs a raise. Yeah, at this point, back-to-back years, I'd say that they won the schedule release. The Bears, the Chicago Bears, they had a really good one. Have you Are you familiar with the the comedy series on Hulu and FX called The Bear? No. The restaurant one. That one was pretty funny. They had all the they had a few of the Chicago Bears players as if they were in a you know, almost like a diner in Chicago and they're putting the orders were the schedules and everything and they're they're making a lot of references to the show. I've never watched it, but it, it seems like it'd be pretty funny. The Broncos, they did an office <laughs> that one was cool. They did an office themed schedule release. That one's pretty funny. The Titans. The Titans was probably I don't know, the Titans was probably the best. I think it might take take the Chargers. That were, were you, did you get a chance to see that? No. So the Titans, they went around Nashville with one of their social media I guess content creators. And they interviewed random fans of the Titans. And they they t- had them look at the schedule and everything, and they said, "Who is the by the logo?" They said, "Who is the team that they're going to play?" So you got some good. Some of them I can't repeat, but there are some funny names that these fans thought of. I was really surprised. Like, how do you not? If you're a fan of the Titans, you more than likely are familiar with other teams in the NFL. How do you not know who they are by their logo? Some people will just do anything to be interviewed. You know, it was it was hilarious. The Jags, the Jags, well, was pretty funny too. They played off of the NFL script. <laughs> so last season, how that was a thing, and people were, you know, taking that and running with it. So they had a, a guy that was the script coordinator for the Jaguars. That one was pretty funny. So they, he was basically writing everything down for the games, and then the players had to practice it like they were actors. That one was pretty funny. I'd say those were 
definitely something that stood out to me. So now that we have these primetime games and some of the schedules have been released, we'll take a look at the early odds for the Super Bowl. Chiefs obviously come up. Super Bowl favorites, plus 600 on FanDuel, plus 650 on BetMGM. The Eagles with the second highest odds. The Niners with the third highest odds. The Bills with the fifth highest odds. Or the Bills with the fourth highest odds. I was kind of surprised I would have figured the Cincinnati Bengals would have the fourth highest odds. But the Bengals had the fifth highest odds. And then the record outlooks. And I'm not going to go through every single NFL team. So don't worry about that. Because that would be kind of redundant. I forgot to mention Thanksgiving slate. You have the Packers and Lions, Commanders and Cowboys, and the 49ers and Seahawks. I think I mentioned the 49ers and Seahawks. Decent games for Thanksgiving Turkey Day. Yeah, hopefully they surprise us. Packers and Lions has the potential to be a good one. I believe I mentioned the rest of them. Where's the record outlook? Here we go. So, for the, some of the highest wins totals for the season, DraftKings Sportsbook has the Bengals and Chiefs as the top with 11.5 wins. Buffalo and Philly are both at 10.5 wins. And then quite a few teams like Baltimore, Cleveland, surprisingly, Dallas, New Orleans, and the Jets are all at 9.5 wins. I'm surprised to see Cleveland at 9.5 projected. Me too. And New Orleans. Team's kind of at the bottom. Arizona is projected to win five games. Poor Arizona fans, man. Yeah. Teams like Chicago, Green Bay that kind of have potential, but we don't know what they are yet. They're projected at 7.5. Chiefs, 11.5. Last two years, they've won over 12 games. I definitely think that they have the potential to do it again. It's going to be interesting. Now we can get into the Chiefs' schedule. So week one, as I mentioned, you have the Lions. Week two, the Jaguars. Week three, the Chicago Bears. I really want to try to make that game. It's pretty expensive, though. Ticket for that game already is $230. Week four, Jets, as I mentioned. Week five, the Vikings. Week six, the Broncos on the Thursday night game. Week 7, the Chargers. Week 8, the Broncos again. Week 9, Dolphins in Germany. Week 11, Philly. Week 12, Raiders. Week 13, Packers. Week 14, Bills. Week 15, Patriots. Week 16, Raiders. Week 17, Bengals on New Year's Eve. And week 18, we close out the season against the Chargers. Kind of a tough schedule for the most part. And you, you said some of the games you were kind of some of your most anticipated ones were the Dolphins and the uh, the Christmas Day game against the Raiders week four at I believe that's at New York. And then, yeah, the Miami week nine. So after going through those games, we already I've said the projection for the Chiefs 11 and a half wins. What do you give the Chiefs this year after going through those games? 14. 
14. 14 and 3 again. Yep. What are the three losses? I feel like they're kind of toss-ups, but obviously like the Eagles, Bengals, you never know. Buffalo, maybe. Nah. <laughs> Depending on how, if Russ bounces back, maybe a Denver game, but I don't know. I, maybe the game in Germany, just because going to Germany and all that stuff, the travel, getting used to the time difference, maybe. I don't know. It is an 8.30 a.m. AM game. Well, for us here. Over there, I don't know what the time would be. I was going to say, Travis Kelsey ain't playing an 8.30 game, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he actually did say on New Heights podcast that after the Dolphins game in Germany, they have a bye week. He says he might stay in Germany hmm. for the for the bye week. And they said that him and Jason Kelsey could have a New Heights podcast, not necessarily in Germany, because Jason Kelsey would be in the States, but they'd have a New Heights podcast international edition. That'd be cool. I know, that's kind of funny. When are we doing that? Yeah, yeah, we might do it. Oh, yeah. If we were if we were able to find a way to Skype and, you know, record and do this, because I've seen people do that with podcasts, that would be kind of cool while we're on vacation. Yes, dude, that'd be epic. If, we, if I was able to find out a way to do that, I would, for sure. Going through the schedule, it's tough. And it's tough. I said the same thing last year. If you're familiar with the show, I said the same thing last year, and Hector ridiculed me. Very hard. He was not happy with what I said because I, I said the same thing and I'll say it again this year. You can never count Kansas City out of a game, so it's very hard to say that they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Truly, can you ever really say the Chiefs are going into a game right now during the Patrick Mahomes era, during the Andy Reid era, that they're going to lose a game? Like, just for sure going to lose. Not they're, really. I was just trying to not seem like a total biased weirdo. But. And, and I feel like for me, I'm, I'm a fan of football. I love, I love good football. The Chiefs play really good football. Patrick Mahomes plays really good football. He, I think we've only, in his career, he's only lost maybe two or three games. Or not, nah, he hasn't lost two or three games. But every single loss he's had has been by eight points or less. Minus a few. There's been, I think, okay, that's what I was going to say. Three games, three or four games in his career where he's lost by more than two scores. The dude's going into his, what, seventh season? Six, six as a starter. And he's only lost at least four games, maybe, maybe four games by two scores. That's incredible. That's the GOAT. The Chiefs are in every single game, so it's hard to say. So he made the the big thing, and we always talk about it, that I said the Chiefs were going to go 16-1 last year. I didn't say it. Those words never came out of my mouth. I implied that they had the potential to win 16 games. They ended up winning 14. I wasn't far off. But then again, what what if they do have Pacheco 100% healthy? We saw what he did the second half of the season, some of that being hurt. Imagine what he could do with a full season. And Jarek McKinnon. The receiving core is a little shaky, but still, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to make those guys better. I mean, me and you could line up out there, <laughs> and he'd still probably win. Yeah. I like to go through it, through the games. So, week one against the Lions, you're unveiling the banner 
Super Bowl 57 champions. Kansas City's been on fire since then. We've had the parade. We've had the draft. There's no way you lose to Detroit week one. It could be more competitive than what people give it credit for. Detroit has an explosive offense. Minus Jamison Williams because he is suspended, but they still have an explosive offense. I think it'll be kind of close, but I think we still beat them. We have Patrick Mahomes. Our defense, I think, can match up with them a little bit. Week two against the Jaguars. The Jaguars have improved. They'll have Calvin Ridley. He's reinstated. Their offense is going to be better. We've beaten them last two games pretty convincingly. Even in the playoffs, we were beating them convincingly when Patrick Mahomes was healthy before his ankle injury. I don't see... It's on the road. It'll be a good game. I think we can still beat them. Chicago. Chicago's up and coming. They have a little bit of promise. But it's in Arrowhead. And I think we beat them. Week 4 against the Jets. The Jets could give us trouble. The Jets had a top 10 defense. I think they had a top 5 defense. They were a quarterback away from making the playoffs. It's the Jets' first game since 2011 on Sunday Night Football. I don't know. That could be a game where they kind of run into some trouble. But I think we win. The Vikings, I think, took steps backwards this this offseason. I think we beat them. So that's five. Five wins. Thursday night football against the Broncos here. I think we win. It'll be tough. The games against the Broncos have been tougher in, in recent years. On the road, or Chargers at home. Chargers, for whatever reason, the Chargers always play us really close at home. I think we still beat them. Broncos. On the road. Does Patrick Mahomes lose his first game to the Broncos on the road? He's undefeated against the Broncos. I hope not. It's hard to bet against them. I guess it all just depends what Russ is going to show up. Can they turn him around? Well, Sean Payton too. Yeah, but if they if they don't have a quarterback... I think in that stretch, so through the first nine games, Miami Miami is a toss-up game. Given the fact that you're going to a different country, the Dolphins have improved this offseason with some additions. It just all rides on Tua. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up, 100%. Can, can Tua stay healthy in that game? Can he go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in the offense? That could be a game that I see we could potentially lose. And, but it'd be by one score. There's no way the Dolphins beat us by multiple scores. I'd be upset though because I don't want to see Tyreek Hill go off against this. So maybe that's where they get a loss. Just given that it's a unique game in Germany against a pretty explosive offense. So through nine games, maybe. I'm not saying definitively, but maybe that they're eight and one. And real quick. Out of those first nine games, do you think that we have kind of a, a hiccup game like we had against Indy last year? Like what 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 game do you think we could potentially lay an egg in like we did against Indy? Against the Vikings? Yeah. I that seems, we, we kind of, 
played down to the competition a lot, I've noticed. So if we don't come out ready to play, because that's one of those games the Chiefs should win every single time, no matter what. And those are the games we mess up on. I mean, it is on the road. Kirk Cousins is a capable quarterback. They have Justin Jefferson still, very dynamic receiver. I agree with you there. Maybe Chicago, maybe Chicago you play down. I've heard that that could potentially be a trap game because you have the Jet, uh, the Jets in the next week. So maybe you're a little bit more focused on the Jets and don't take the Bears seriously. But for the most part, I think I think they have the potential to go 8 and 1. You come off a bye and prepare for the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl rematch. We all know how Andy Reid is coming off a bye. Eagles are going to be salty. They're going to want to they're going to want to get payback, but it's in Arrowhead. I think you have to give the Chiefs the edge in that in that one. I think we beat them. Raiders in Vegas. I think we beat the Raiders. I think we're just better than Vegas. Packers. Packers could be another game where you kind of, you know you're better. They have some nice pieces. They have a decent defense. It's in Lambeau. Early December. Patrick Mahomes has never been in that kind of environment. Maybe that's a game that they slip up on, potentially. Yeah, and like you said earlier, they might just be more focused on the next game, the Bills. I could see it. Yeah, so maybe maybe that's where their second loss comes from, if they lose. Week 14, Buffalo. I don't know. Maybe that's another, another toss-up game. Buffalo always plays this really close. They beat us in the regular season. They can have that if they want. <laughs> Week 14, though, it'll be it'll be another close game. I, I can't see the Chiefs losing two straight, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is tough, though. I want to say we beat them. Week 15 in Foxborough. Mid-December game in the Northeast against the Patriots defense. It'll be tough. That'll be a tough Monday night game. That'll be tougher than what people give it credit for. The Patriots don't have a great offense, but that is a really stout defense, well-coached team. They'll give us trouble, but I think we can beat them. Vegas at home, I think that's an automatic win. On Christmas? Yeah, that's an automatic win. Got it. Bengals, week 17. They've ha- they have our number in the regular season. And I'm fine with that as long as we beat them in the playoffs. Week 17, I think that's that's still a game that the Chiefs get up for. And it has some significance to it. Because if they do what I'm saying, they're going to not word for word saying what they're going to do. But if they have potentially do take care of business and maybe they lose two or three games at that point. If they lose two at that point and have... You know, 13 wins. Or they say they have, yeah, 13 or 14 wins. Say you have to go out because that's probably a game that's going to potentially get you the, the one seed. Yeah. So I can imagine the Chiefs would be very amped up for that game, given the rivalry and the potential to get the one seed in the playoffs. I imagine that they'll be up for that game. They'll want to shut the Bengals up again. It's in Arrowhead. Burrowhead. I can see us beating the Bengals in that one. There's a little bit more riding on it. The Bengals, 
And I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to beat them convincingly. It's obviously going to be very close like it has been. I mean, the last four games, it's been decided by three points. So, and if we win that game and we're in the position to, you know, with 13 or 14 wins, you have the potential to rest your stars against the Chargers in week 18. So maybe you slip up at the end. I think they end the season, yeah, 14 and 3 again. Either that or 13 and 4. I think 13 and 4 is probably more realistic. Maybe they will lose four games. I'm not trying to be biased. If Hector ever listens to this or anybody that calls me out, <laughs> I give these other teams plenty of credit. There's plenty of other good teams. The Chiefs aren't just juggernauts, although they are favorite. They are favored in every single every single game this season. I'll quickly re- recap NF or MLB as to end the show. Where we going to do the power rankings since we're so late in the week. Some of the news this week though, stolen bases are obviously up with the increased size of the bases. I believe I saw something about Ronald Acuña and Another player. So Ronald Cunha Jr. is on pace for 67 stolen bases. And Estoroy Ruiz is on pace to have 60 plus stolen bases. Which be the would, would be the first time since 2017. You have the Las, the, the Las Vegas A's. How's that sound? Weird. That is weird. The Oakland A's struck a deal with Bali. To potentially with Bollies. I don't know if that's Bali Sports. I'm not 100% sure. But they just struck a deal to build a new $1.5 billion ballpark on the side of Tropicana on the Las Vegas Strip. 30,000 seat stadium. So the Las Vegas A's are for sure happening. Jazz Chisholm, one of the young stars in the MLB for the Miami Marlins, is expected to miss four to six weeks with turf toe. Domingo German was suspended. 10 games, pitcher for the New York Yankees for having sticky stuff on his fingers. I actually saw that. Yeah. So that one made headline news. And a quick Cy Young update. I did want to talk about that a little bit. So NL side, you have Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks, Spencer Strider for the Braves, Clayton Kershaw, the ageless wonder for the Dodgers at number three, Mitch Keller. I wish we had him instead of Brad Keller. For the Pittsburgh Pirates at number four. Justin Steele of the Chicago Cubs at number five. On the AL side, you have Garrett Cole at number one. Number two is Shane McCallahan. McClanahan, I believe he won last year. He's with the Tampa Bay Rays. Sonny Gray has been a nice surprise for the Minnesota Twins. He's number three. Shohei Otani is always going to be in the mix. He's at number four. Although I don't think he's ever won a Cy Young. So this could be his year. And then the Twins also have another potential Cy Young candidate in Joe Ryan. That was kind of all for the MLB. Royals, they, quick Royals update, they won the series against the San Diego Padres in San Diego. If that counts for anything. Their current record is, I believe, 14, 14 and 31. Not not much excitement, but I think a win against the San Diego Padres is something to be 
you know, a little excited about. Aroldis Chapman threw a 103.8 mile an hour pitch. Fastest in Royals history. He's obviously washed, but he washed, but he still has the heat. And then real quick, before we wrap up episode 52, Kansas City Coyotes. How's that sound, Ryan? I hope. I think that'd be wild. I saw that. I was so hyped. I knew you'd bring that up. You know, I had to. If we can't get an NBA expansion team, why not take a shot at an NHL team? I think Kansas City, just given the fandom that we have, how loyal these fans are, they would absolutely love to have a hockey team. I think I think it goes perfect. Kansas City Coyotes, T-Mobile Center. Let's do it. I love it. I like it a lot. I don't even like hockey, but I'd go. I, w- I would absolutely go. I'd pay so much more attention to hockey if we had a hockey team. Oh, I, for sure. I absolutely would. Okay, and lastly, are you going to go see Fast and Furious this weekend? No. Are you a fan of the franchise? Tough question. I don't know, man. I feel like at the beginning it was kind of cool, but then, like, you know, when they started defying the laws of physics and doing all this crazy (laughs) stuff. I mean, but my thing is, when I watch those movies, I never go into them expecting it to be a great movie. I know what it's going to be. It's going to be a cheesy action movie, and that's it. But the first couple, I feel like, were legitimately good. Yeah. The expectations at this point are definitely low. Like the first movie? standalone that's a damn good movie yeah it's cool it was different at the time it was it was really unique yeah i mean when you look at it now if you watch it now hey they're still in dvd players that's kind of weird but you know back then that was like brand new technology yeah i liked it i'd say i i don't know i didn't see the last movie fast nine the last one i saw was fast eight i feel like i'd have to see fast nine and then see fast ten I've watched it this long. I kind of feel like I, I'm obligated to go. Not necessarily going to theaters. I'd probably wait until it comes out on a streaming service. But yeah. I will say the funny thing, uh, Twitter Twitter is undefeated. Oh. If you're not on Twitter, you're doing it wrong. Twitter is undefeated. There was a trend this week about what was the point that you realized that the Fast and Furious ser- uh, franchise abandoned reality. And people just had a field day with it. There is so many funny references from the movies. That's all we have for you guys, though, for episode 52. And if you remember from the top of the show, episode 53, there will be a hold on it for a couple weeks. We apologize for the delay, but we need a vacation. Yep. We need a vacation. We'll be gone for a few weeks. So look for episode 53 here in a couple weeks. We hope you guys take care. We hope you guys enjoy episode 52. We'll see you then.